0: amen well praise god get your bibles out this morning church and if you would throw it open to mark chapter 4 verse 13 now it's not because i i don't have anything else to preach that i'm keep on this message is that i cannot get off of it i just feel like the holy spirit just will not let me get off of this the parable of the sower and what god is trying to say to us and so I preached on this last week, and I just encourage you to go back. And if you didn't see the the uh, or wasn't here to hear the message, then you can go watch it on on uh, our channel and see what's going on there. But anyway, I I just can't get over the fact that, you know, that as I read this word and I keep reading it over and over in the parable of the sower, that the Bible, you know, it says in Mark 413, and he said, do do not. And he said to them, "Do you not understand this parable? Then how are you not going to understand them all? If you don't get this parable down, if you don't get the understanding of the principle of what God's doing here, you're not going to get. You're not going to get anything. You're not going to be able to comprehend what the word says. And folks, if there's ever a time in life that we need to understand the word of God, we need to understand the working of God. There's too much going on. We have we have wasted. I say this in a broad spectrum. The church has wasted." So many years and years and years and decades of people just going to church, walking through the door, sitting in a pew, you know, saying their whatevers and having their repeat services and their repeat verses and their whatever, going through the humdrum of the church, taking communion as as just some form of a ritual, going through just the motions of church, but never walking in the power and the presence of God. Never walking in victory, never walking in joy, going in the door and going out of the door is exactly the same. And I'm just tired of it. I don't want to see that anymore. I'm so tired of people who that if you walked up to them and you said, are you are you a Christian? Do you believe in God? That's Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, is he active in your life? Well, you know, you know, you read your Bible. Uh, they said that, you know, uh, what's four minutes a week is the average time that a person reads their Bible? Four minutes a week. That might as well be nothing. Four minutes a week, that's all they read their Bible. And so it's like, you know, I mean, like I grew up, I grew up in a Methodist church. God bless them, you know. My wife, she grew up in a Baptist church. And, you know, Baptist church, they had sword drills, you know. Hello? Y'all ever been to the Baptist church, remember sword drills, okay, where you got to throw up the Bible. You got to be able to to find the scriptures. You got to be, you know, they worked and worked and worked and worked and teaching people about How to know their Bible, like like where you can find the Book of James and what you know this kind of stuff. Well, that's glorious and that's great, but nobody has ever spent a lot of time trying to teach people how that the Word of God is alive and it can leap into your heart and it can change your life. Nobody spent a lot of time doing that, and uh, you know I'm going to spend my life doing that. If y'all if y'all bury me. Someday and have a service I have to put on my tombstone. Just say, well, he wouldn't get off of preaching the word. I mean, you know, put it on there because I'm not going to quit. If I can just get one thing into the hearts of people. Just one thing to get people to understand. Just get you to have one revelation from God. Get you to have one moment that you your, your heart opens up and your mind opens up. And you understand that this book was written for you. This is not a book. It is actually a personal love letter. To mail directly to you and I get so you know I I, I spend a lot of time and you know the internet can be full of horrible things or you can use it as a tool and and, and a device to bring good things into your life and I spend a lot of time and, and and I get so sick of people who are wasting their time trying to prove that God doesn't exist wasting their time out there just you know talking all kinds of goofy stuff, just goofy stuff, just pulling things out of the Bible and making it all goofy. I mean, if you took what they said and tried to put it into a, a you know, a real formatted look at it, God would just be a goofball. One, one morning he's this way, the next morning he's that way. And, and it's just, there's so much garbage out there and it makes me so sick because I want people just to see the love of God and what God did for each and every one of us and how we can walk in victory and success here on this earth by applying the word of God to our life. So the, to, to say this morning and, and what I'm, all this that I'm saying, if you read a little bit farther, it says the sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear Satan comes immediately to take away the word that was sown in their hearts. So if what I'm preaching is wrong, then why is the devil working so hard to steal the word out of your life? If he's been around forever a created being, was in heaven, was the angel that, that was in charge of music and, and wrapped in beauty and all these things, and what the Bible tells us about before he got pride in his heart, he fell from heaven. And if he knows what's going on, then why in the world would he say, well, I just want to steal the word. I don't know why. No. He knows if he steals the word that's been sown in your heart, you will not have a revelation and walk in victory that that word would have done for you. now this week I kind of you know I kind of got off because see I like to study things that I have no earthly idea about because you know there's a, there's a lot a of, lot of research out there that the reason why people uh, get dementia and get Alzheimer's is because they're not expanding their mind and so I don't ever want to forget the word I want to grow I want to keep working so I'm always working. So, this week, I was, and y'all laugh at me, okay, but this week I was doing research and studying on how artificial intelligence works, okay, I can barely work my iPhone, and so, you know, I was way, 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 way over my head, but, you know, I'm sticking with it, I'm trying to learn something, I'm trying to grow. And as I'm listening to this, because, you know, I'm praying the whole time, Holy Ghost, show me, is there something in here I'm supposed to be looking at or understand? Because folks are telling us it's going to be the next Industrial Revolution. It's that one morning you're going to wake up, and it's going to be, everything's going to be changed, just like it was when everybody was out burning firewood and cooking their, their, their you know, rabbit over the pit, that then all of a sudden there was the Industrial Revolution and everything took off. It's, it's going to be that huge of a thing, and it's coming. It's right around the corner. So I want to know what's coming. Because I'm the kind of person, I can't even use a self-checkout. Like, I don't like it. You know? I'm like, like there's something wrong with this. If I saw a robot, I mean, my first inclination would be to draw on it and shoot. I mean, I, I don't know why. I just, like, it's in my head. It's ingrained in my head. That thing's evil. Shoot it. Kill it. Don't, you know, or unplug it. Something. And so... I know I'm kind of redneck and that may sound ignorant to you, but I mean, it's in me. And I don't know if it's because of where I was raised and whatever. I don't know. But anyway, so as I'm looking at this, you got to understand something. I just pray and say, Holy Ghost, show me, show me this. And so I'm listening to these videos and I'm watching, trying to understand these guys are talking things. I'm just like, oh, what does that word mean? And, you know, I'm just trying to grab it and pausing it and looking it up in my dictionary and going on. Anyway. So all the artificial intelligence is being created out there. Now, listen, you should not take totally my word of this. <laughs> okay. I'm going to get my point here for preaching. But I mean, if you're going to don't try to develop an AI based off what I say. <laughs> okay. So so when they start talking about it, I'm listening to all this. And what they're doing, basically, this is Robert Richard's simple version. They're taking a computer and they're feeding it their words. They're feeding it word. W-O-R-D, massive and massive amounts of word, whether the word comes from a lot of it is what they've ripped off of all of us in our conversations, uh, phones and stuff, but also just data, data, but it's word. They're putting word into it, word. They're linguistic-based artificial intelligence, okay? So they're doing this, and they're so involved because they want to get the word. The more word they put in, the greater the AI is. And I thought, huh. The more word they put in. When Jesus came, John says, and the word was with us. And I'm thinking of this word. Oh, word. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He spoke the word. And it went out. And I'm thinking, now they're creating an artificial intelligence that it's all based upon the word. And they're wanting word, 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 word. And all through this thing, you're always, they're always talking about the word. We've got to have the, yeah, yeah, the word, 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 word. And I'm thinking, my gosh, look at this. Look at what's going on here. They're making, developing an artificial intelligence that says it's going to be smarter than anybody on the face of the earth. It's going to be able to do all this stuff. It's going to do all this kind of stuff, and it's all based on the word. Is there something to the principle that these you know, secular scientists have come up with? Understanding that the word is the one that's going to have the creative force to be able to do this. If put in there when God said, listen, it's my word. If you're a disciple indeed, you know my word. My word will set you free. And it's all new about the word, the word, the word, but it's God's word. And I thought to myself how when I first started out in my Christian walk and I got saved and I was trying to figure out. And the very first time I sat down and read a Bible, when I read it, not to just find out information, but I read it to find God. And I started to read and it started to just come alive to me. And I was just like, "Ah, I didn't know. And it was alive to me as I read. And I run to my wife and say, look what it says. Look, 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 look. You know, now after almost 39 years, I'm still running to my wife. I was this morning said, look at what says here, because it's alive. And I realized that when I realized that it changed my whole world. Yet today, if you go to the doctor and you're sick, the doctor is not going to sit you down and say, OK, now this is what you need to do. You need to get hold of the word. Jesus said he is willing and he'll give you the word and the healing you need, but it's in the word. I'm going to tell you that. And you see what we've done, Christians I'm talking about, we have dumbed it all down to where, yes, oh, isn't that sweet? God so loved the world. Isn't that sweet? And it becomes just something that's just there. It's just a saying. It's just something nice to put on a plaque. It's just something nice to, you know, as a sentiment. But it's not you're looking at it saying, I got to understand this word, because if I understand this word, it'll leap on the inside of me. It'll change me. We're thinking it's head knowledge. And no, it changes everything in you when you have a revelation that God loves you. i will just say we we'll use that as an example. You live your whole life thinking everybody hates you, nobody loves you, and all of a sudden one day you're reading the word, and all of a sudden John three sixteen really does come alive to you. And you say, oh, my gosh, God loves me, and it's real to you. That's called a revelation. Two words in the, in the, in the, in the Bible. One of them is logos, which means you got a word. Like you said, hello, you said a word. But then it said to your wife, your spouse, whatever you say, I love you. And when you sow those words, they meant it and they felt it in their heart that that you really did love them. That's rhema. That becomes real. It's revelation. It comes from the same root as ruah in the the Old Testament. That means God's breathing his breath upon you. Like he breathed in Adam a, a clay figure. And he came alive. Hello? Are y'all with me? At every moment of every second of your life, sitting right there, sitting right there within your grasp is the ability to grab hold of what God's truth is for you. And when you grab hold of it, it comes a revelation to you. It sets you free. But you can have knowledge of what God says, but not know it. You can have knowledge. Logos, a knowledge of the word, but it's the revelation, the rhema, when it comes into you, sets you free. No longer are you victimized by the enemy coming to you and stealing from you. Ooh man, I'm preaching good. I'm preaching myself happy, if nothing else. Because I'm telling you that, 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 that it's just so a lot. Why would the devil spend all of his time trying to steal the word from you if he didn't know that that wasn't important? He had to steal it. He had to steal it. So last week I told you there's three things you cannot turn loose of. The first thing is you cannot, you cannot turn loose of and have stolen from you an understanding that God is a God of covenant, that he is going to do everything by covenant. If he promised he's going to do it, it's the end of it. He's not going to go back on his word. If you're not receiving God's promise, it's because you do not have a revelation of it. I know He said it. Yeah, but you have a revelation of it. It's a big difference. I told you, you cannot let the devil steal that from you. The second thing I told you that you cannot have stolen from you is to know a revelation of the blood of Jesus, that the blood speaks over your life, that every day when you get up, if you're born again, if Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of your life, every day the blood of Jesus is speaking out over you that you are a child of God, that you are righteous, that you are holy, that you are unblameable, that you're unreprovable in the sight of God. The blood speaks that you can walk right into the throne. Hey, guys, how y'all doing? Go right into the middle of it and sit down and talk with your heavenly Father. Nothing can stop you. But you got to have a revelation of it. You can't have that stolen from you. And then the third thing I talked about was that you had to be able to have an understanding of grace. Grace means that when you keep messing up, you make a mistake, you're not thrown out. But you have the ability to repent and get back right with God. And that's grace. Now, we don't believe in cheap grace. We don't believe in grace condoning your sinning. No, we believe in grace that lets you back in to say, uh, can I have a round two? I messed up. Okay? So anyway, so then I talk to you about how you're going to have to do this, how you're going to have to apply these practical steps. That the first thing is you're going to have to be aware of what's happening to you, or you're gonna knock, or the devil's going to steal it from you. The second one was, is you have to be positioned and ready to act. The third one was, is the devil can't read your thoughts, but he can read, listen to what comes out of your mouth and keep your mouth straight. The fourth one was, is you need to learn to act quickly. Do not sit around wallowing in depression and pity for days because it's only, you're only digging the hole deeper, and then it's just farther you got to crawl out of. And then the fifth one was, is that you have to learn to praise God at all times. Learn to brag on God. Amen? Okay, that was all last week's message. with a little added to it. So here now I'm going to go to part two. I want to show you this morning what, ha- what happens when the word takes root. The Old Testament is written to us for an example and, and, and to have an understanding to how the New Testament principles apply to us through what happened in the Old Testament. Okay? And so I want you to go. To 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9, I want to show you five things that will happen to you if you let the Word of God take root in yourself. And after each one of these points, I'm going to stop and I'm going to pray for you. And then I'm going to go to point two. Because all of us fit into this somehow. 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9. It's the story of Jabez. Now you, there was a book written years ago. The prayer of Jabez, and and so you may have read that already, but let's look at this. Now, Jabez is more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. What really, if you look at that and really understand and break it down, what his his name was, pain in the neck. What a name to name your kid. Here comes pain in the neck. But Jabez didn't like that. So it says, Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh that you would bless me indeed, and enlarge my territory; that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil, that I might, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him his request. Oh Jabez, he realized that because he was a curse was spoken over him; he was cursed. His mother cursed him knowingly or unknowingly, I'm not sure, but she cursed him by naming him pain in the neck. All right? And he realized something. He had a revelation. He realized that if he didn't do something about his name, that he was going to truly be a pain in the neck. And he was going to cause pain and hurt in other people. And he didn't want to do that. So he cried out to God and said, God, change me. Deliver me and change me because I don't want to be a pain in the neck. And they said God did it. Why did he do that? Because he had a revelation that God could change his destiny. And some of you in here and some of you listening out there the audience, you've had words spoken over you. Things have been said to you. Hurtful things, painful things. Things that you still carry within you this day. And those words have been spoken to you. And they are actually forming your destinies. They're forming the way you think about things and the way you think about people and the way you guard yourself and the way that you try to keep yourself from getting in a situation where those words can be spoken to you again. Well, I'm here today to tell you God can set you free from that. But, you know, i got to tell you all this. i got to tell you this right at the beginning, okay? Like I said, before I go through these five things, I am going to pray for you at each one of these things. And I'm going to believe God to do a miracle. If you're not believing or you don't receive, or well, you're not believing because I'm praying. I'm telling you, I'm believing God this morning for miracles. All right. And I'm telling you, God can set you free in a second. And you no longer have to think you're a pain in the neck. You say, well, how's that, how's that work? Don't even worry about how it works. Just believe God and you watch him. He'll set you free right now. He'll give you a place of love in your heart for for those for those for whatever's happened to you. You see, what we want to do, and I've seen this, some people love to be victims. And then they milk it. Look at the person beside you and say, no. No, there's people that love to be victims. They love to milk it. They they got hurt and they like it. And so now they've learned to hold on to it. And then that's their excuse for everything in life. Rut row, But I'm telling you, why live like that? Why have to go around and every time something happens, you say, well, this always happens to me because, you know, this is what happened back when, you know, and so-and-so. It happened to my mother and myself, i it on down here and I got this thing. I'm a pain in the neck. I know I'm a pain in the neck, but y'all just got to deal with it because I'm just a pain in the neck. No, you want to get healed. Well, that's too difficult. No, it's not. You just got to believe it. All it takes, faith on your part. It's all it takes, faith on your part. But OJ Bass, he didn't want this anymore. And you see, so many of us, we, we want it. Because they're victims. In America today, there's so many people, they're victims. 500 years ago, something happened in my family. Like, I don't mean to be insensitive, but get over it. Holy cow. You're going to let it ruin your whole life and your children's life because... 500 years ago you got called pain in the neck or your family was named pain in the neck and then you just went and became the pain in the neck family all through your whole life and carried it on down and this is just took on that destiny of what the devil was doing to steal the word out of your life. But some of you in here you've had those words spoken over your life and it's killed you. You remember it it's caused you to it's caused you not to be who you could be. Because you don't want to be hurt again. So you can't be who God called you to be. So you you hold back. You're hindered. And I want to pray for you. Right now, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for everybody out there listening. This word speaking to your heart, your heart's pounding fast. He said, oh, my God, he's got me. He knows. I hope he doesn't look at me. He knows it's me. Well, then that's you. And I want to pray for you right now. Do Y'all want me to pray? Y'all want to be free? All right. Well, I want to pray. Father, right now, in Jesus name, I just stop. And I pray for every person that's listening to the sound of my voice. Every one of them that has been like Jabez, had a word spoken over them, like it was a pain in the neck or whatever it may be that was spoken over them. I declare right now by the anointing of God that 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 word is broken in Jesus' name. That God, you supernaturally touch them and that joy becomes a a, a place where pain used to be. And that, that pain, Lord God, and those wounds are just healed right now by the anointing. That no longer are they victims, no longer are they going to live like that, no longer is that word going to be spoken to them, but today they see themselves as who you call them to be, a person of joy, a person of peace, a person of mercy, a person of grace, and that, Lord, that there's victory, victory in their life today. So, Lord, I thank you for touching them right now in Jesus' mighty name, amen. All right, that's the first group, number two group, all right? If you go to 1 Samuel chapter 17, story of David and Goliath, all right? I don't care who you are unless you want to know. Even if you dug a hole and tried to crawl in it and rolled a rock on you to get away from this world, there will be a worm, there will be a snake, there will be something, a mole that gets its way in there into your hole. I'm telling you, there's giants, there's going to be problems, there's going to be situations I'm telling you, it's going to happen. There's no reason to sit around all the time trying to figure out why is this happening. There are just giants. Okay? And so you have to know how to be a giant killer. One of the confessions I have all the time is, is 1 Samuel 17, 15, And I, I, I just boldly stand saying, I'm a giant killer by the Holy Ghost. Giants, you want to die, come to my house. You want to be killed, I'll kill you. I'm a giant killer. You stink here, stick your big stinking head up around here, I cut it off. I kill you. All right? So, you're going to have to learn how to defeat the giants that arise in your life. All right? Look at 1 Samuel 17 26. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him. This is when David goes out there to bring the food to his brothers. And Goliath got up and spoke his word. And he says, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach of Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? you got to understand circumcision was a, was, a, was a symbol of their covenant. What David was saying is that guy does not have a covenant with Almighty God, and we do. So who's going to kill him? The revelation that he had. Everybody says, what are you? You're just a little boy. And you know the story. You read the story. He goes to Saul. Saul tries to give him his armor. And he says, look, I want to tell you something. I don't know. All I know is when I was out in the desert and the lion came, I killed him. And when the bear came, I killed him. And God was with me out there. And if I can kill a lion, I can kill a bear. I can kill that big old Philistine. I don't understand what the difference is. Just listen to his thinking. Listen to what he's saying in his thinking. He said, God help me in these little things. Therefore, I can kill the big thing. Because I'm in covenant. That's why I told you you can't, under, you can't let the devil steal that from you. That you're a covenant person. Because covenant is what helps you to kill giants. They're going to show up. Don't run. Don't freak. Don't, ah, there's a giant. No. You say, or like some of us, where'd I put my sling? I know I'll put it around here somewhere. Somewhere is there's a sling here. Then you look at the wife, and the wife says, I don't know where you put your sling. It was right over there. I saw it over there at the other table. I said, well, you picked it up, move it. Where'd you put it? I didn't put it anywhere. I don't mess with your stuff. It's over there somewhere. You put it up. Just look. You can't see. You can't find anything. That's the way we would probably be while the giant's coming to the front door. Well, I gotta have it. It's right there in the fridge on the second shelf. I don't understand that, really. I've talked to the Lord about it. I don't understand how she can tell me it's in the fridge on the second shelf, and I can look in the fridge and count shelf one, count shelf two. Look and look and look and look. And then she says, oh, my gosh, it's right here behind. I said, well, it was hiding. You didn't say it was back of the second shelf that I had to dig for it. But giants are going to show up in your life. Giants will be there. You just got to learn how to kill them. It's like swatting a mosquito. They're a little hard if you're trying to do it with your hands, you know, when one's flying around and you can miss a few times. But when you finally get down and get to killing them, it's not a big deal. Hello? But you got to be willing to defeat the giants because they're always going to be there. You cannot. There's no other way out. You kill them. And giants rise up, and sometimes they're scary. And sometimes they're big. But you've got to get it down in your heart. You're a covenant person. You're a covenant person. And when you're in covenant with God, you're going to win. And those uncircumcised Philistines don't have covenant. And they can't have success in victory over you. Amen? So we're going to do this a little bit different, okay? and how I'm going to do this. Y'all are going to repeat this after me. All right? Everybody, y'all listening out there, you're going to repeat this thing. say, say, I kill giants. Giants? If you want to mess with me, I'm going to kill you. I'm in covenant with God. I kill giants. Amen. Now look at the person beside you and say, watch out. I'm a giant killer. So let's go to number three now, number three, all right? Daniel chapter three, verse 16, story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being thrown into the fire, right? Now, you got to understand something about fire, right? Fire usually consumes everything that it touches, and so you know the story they're going to go. But I want you to read it here. Let's, let's read it right quick in verse 16. Daniel 3, 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said, Oh king, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you. Now you got to understand, king had already told him. He's got the fire. He's got it seven times hotter. If you don't bow down and worship me, I'm going to throw you into the fire. There's a lot of threats in the world. There's a threat going on in the world right now that That, you know, because of everything that's taking place in America now that they're going to start persecuting more of the Christians and snuffing them out. I just want to tell you, beware. Beware. Because when you start trying to snuff us out or start trying to throw us into the fire. uh, You're going to get burned up. So he says. So the kings told him, this is what you got to do. And they said, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God. Whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. He will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if you, but he said, but if not, that doesn't mean, but if not, God's not going to deliver you. That means, but if not, like you're not going to, like you're going to change. Okay, go home. Hello? He's not saying to them, they're not, they're not saying to the king. Well, if our God can deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, but if he didn't deliver us, that's not what they're saying. They're saying, our God will deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. But if not, you change your mind and you take this decree off and tell us this to go home. We're still not bowing to your image. He said, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve other gods. will we worship the golden image which you have set before us. you got to understand something. When the fire comes in life and it comes, fire comes in the form. To consume you it can come in the form of persecution you're already being persecuted because you're a christian a husband doesn't like the wife going to church or the church one way or the other i can be persecution like you know just that you're a christian that you're trying to be vocal and tell people what the word says and they they put you down fire can also be in the form of temptation like trying to get you off like you don't really have to go to church every Sunday. Or you don't really need to be there. You, you you can you can cheat. You can not go. You can you know you don't you don't you don't need to pay your tithes. You don't need to do that stuff. You know it's temptation, something that's coming upon you to to pull you away to lessen your strength and your ability. It's like I've always said. I mean, literally, if 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 we were, if you knew that when you went out to your car. That because we lived in a lion-infested area. That you possibly could be jumped on and eaten. Number one, y'all wouldn't hang around outside quite so much. Talking. you do your talking inside. And if you went to the car, you would be very aware. and You'd hardly have a gun. You'd be ready to shoot a lion because there could be one jump out any minute and eat you. You would be aware of what's going on. But yet we let the devil... And other things, corruptible things, come around in, in our life that we walk out and we don't pay any attention. Oh, it's just, you know, you nah, it ain't no big deal. And that thing will eat you. And so, so the fire comes, but the fire of God is coming to consume that in your life so that you can be free. And sometimes we get bound in sin and we get bound in the things of sin and we don't, we get so bound that then you don't want to be free. Because it becomes comfortable. Hello? Got quiet all of a sudden. Had you laughing, now you're all quiet. Sitting there looking solemn-faced. <clears throat> but I'm trying to help you here. Listen to me. There's an old Merle Haggard song. And in part of the verse it says, When are we going to stop declaring that polecats don't stink? And old hat bands aren't dirty. And I'm telling y'all, you none of us, if you look outside and there's a skunk outside, think, man, that would make a pretty pet. Let's see if we can't catch it, tame it. You're not thinking that. Now I've heard of people have little baby skunks and they have their scent glands removed and all that kind of stuff like that. But I'm talking about if you looked out there and saw a mature skunk out in your front yard, your first thought is not, ah, it's so pretty. Let's see if we can catch it. It looks prettier than a cat. But yet we, we let sin come in our lives and we don't treat it the same way. In this world today, you cannot afford to be angry and full of hate. In this world we're living in today, you cannot live in, in, in revenge if you do, it will consume you. You cannot live in lust. You cannot live in, in greed. You cannot live in these things that are out there in the world dangling around temptations of, of fire that's trying to lure you over there to consume you. We've got to ask God to come into our life and be the fire of God that removes that from our lives. So that we can serve him with all of our heart. Now, you remember the three things I told you not to forget? The last one being grace. That's what grace is there for. Grace is there so that we can repent. Repentance is a great thing. Repentance is a great thing. Because, see, once you get these things in your life, now the word's working. When Daniel went into the fire, they said, Our God's bigger than this. Hello? Hello? David said, I'm in covenant. I'll kill him. Jabez said, I don't have to be like the rest of my family and be a pain in the neck. What happened? The revelation of the word comes in there. And when you have a revelation of God that it's better to serve him than it is to serve the things of the world, folks, listen us tell you, you're on the right path. You're on the path to go find victory and joy and peace. You'll have the greatest marriage, the greatest business, the greatest kids, the greatest everything. Because you got God in the center of your life. Amen. So for this one, I was going to ask you to bow your heads. Everyone out there, if you're if you're listening in your car right now, don't bow your heads. Keep watching. But if you're at home, bow your heads. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to give you a chance. You don't have to say it out loud, but right now we're going to give you, I'm going to give you a chance to repent. I'm going to pray. Because if there's things going on in your life, right now the Holy Ghost has spoken them to you. He's brought them to your attention. Things you need to repent about so you get closer with God. So, Father, right now. We just look at the things in our life. We know what you're convicting us of, Lord. Lord, we do not want to go astray. We do not want to get off out in the devil's territory. Lord, we want to be with you. And so we we just repent right now. Lord, we repent and ask you to forgive us, to wash us from the sin in your blood, to let the fire of God consume it, and let your fire, Lord God, burn within our hearts because we want to be consumed by you so that we can serve you, Lord, with all of our hearts. So, Lord, we just thank you for it right now, for forgiving us. And, Lord, we forgive ourselves in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. No, number four. Come on, you got two more. You got to hang in there. I got to go quick here. Daniel chapter 6, verse 20. See old Daniel. First they're going to throw him in the fire. Now it's the lion's den. Right? Now you got to understand, the king literally had lions that they were in a pit that they starved down. And they threw humans to them whenever they wanted them eaten. And the lions were hungry. And they tore them to pieces. And people used to think that was cool. Okay. And so Daniel, again, they're trying to trap him. He's trying to serve God. But it says, listen to me. They were going to get him into the lion's den because he, he worshipped God and not the statue. <clears throat> okay. And it says Daniel went home, knew the plot, knew the plan, threw open his windows like he always did, walked outside, faced towards the east, bowed down and worshipped his God. It's like in your face. Right? You see, things that are going on in the world today are making Christians want to uh, not be as vocal because they're trying to make us look like we're the racist. We're the ones that aren't loving and, and aren't uh, accepting. And they're trying to put the pressure on us and, and, and get you to go into your closet and say you're a Christian. But I'm telling you, if we want to have victory and it's fun. It's to just go right out on your balcony, bow your knees and say, here I am. I worship God and I'm going to worship God. I am a Christian. I am born again. I'm washed in the blood of Jesus. And I believe that the word of God is true. And you watch what happens. They may throw you into the lion's den. Next morning, they throw the rock back and there's old Daniel. He's laid out. Got a big old lion in his mane. See, yeah, it's cold last night. I had to get him up here. Keep me warm. And everybody's looking at the hole like, What? He says, no, now listen to me, listen to me, hear me on this one. Daniel said, no, God sent an angel down here, and he protected me. Folks, listen to me, no matter how bad things get, listen to me, God always has bigger ways. Peter's in prison, and an angel comes, and the shackles just fall off him, and the door opens automatically. I'm telling you, we serve a God of miracles. And I'm telling you, these aren't fables or stories. This is fact. And if God has to send an angel down here to save you, he will. All right? But you've got to be in the position, which is simply this, not in a position of fear. 2 Timothy one seven says, God didn't give us a bit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. If Daniel would have gotten all freaked out... They'd have eaten. They would have had him for supper. But Daniel had faith. Faith is the opposite of fear. You have to understand you get this revelation of faith in your heart. That's what activates the miracles of God. And so a lion comes and you say, whoa, thank you, Lord. You're with me. You got to send an angel, send an angel. God, you're greater than that. Folks, listen to me. That's what takes you into the next realm of the supernatural. It's faith, not fear. Everything in this world is based on fear. It's crazy. It's like they can't manufacture fear fast enough. Do you know that they already have the new line, the new virus that's coming out? or It's already got a new name. So they got the whole new thing. And they're ready. Thicker mask and everything. I don't know about that. I just threw that in. <laughs> but I'm telling you, <clears throat> they're just looking for another place to have fear. Then this is going to happen. Then that's going to happen. And then it it gives you a little bit of quiet down. And they give you something else. The world is based everything on fear right now. But we're not people who are created to operate in fear. We're created to operate in faith. That's why people are getting sick because they're operating in fear. Fear ain't going to get you nowhere. All right? So I want to pray right now. I want to pray out there for everybody. Here we go. Round four. I want to pray for you. Father, right now I pray for every person who's tempted to walk in fear or is walking in fear lord i pray right now in jesus name faith begins to rise in our heart you said lord that in in every one of us there is an there is there is created an ability to walk in faith and so i lord i just pray right now that people will hear this word and that their faith will rise and that fear will be dispelled that they will know that even though the lions are out there and the lions are roaring they will not be eaten because god you're taking care of us, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Number five, last one. I'm going to make it. Book of Jonah, chapter one. We all know about old Jonah, right? Got to eat by fish. I want to read verse one. Jonah 1.1. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amathea, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city. Cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee from Tarshish and from the presence of the Lord. Now, who did it? Jonah did it, right? God speaks to him, tells him what to do. Jonah jumps up and runs the other way. Am I right? Okay. Some of us, our worst enemy is yourself. Sometimes... You might as well just go look in the mirror and say, you were killing me. Stop it. We're our worst enemies. See, I got a lot of chuckles out of that one. So that tells me that one like really hit home. So then what are we going to do about it? If you're your worst enemy, what are you going to do about it? Well, Jonah literally ended up in the belly of a well. Right? But there's a message that I preach, and I don't know, I hadn't preached it in a while, but there's a message I preach because I did a lot of studying one time about wells. And the one well that's out there in the world that literally regurgitates is a sperm whale. And what happens to a sperm whale, this is all true, I don't have time to bear it all out to you, this is all true. Sperm whales eat a thing called cuttlefish, it's their main, main diet. And a cuttlefish has a hook in it. And so this little hook gets down in the gut of the sperm whales. And so they have to go up and find a sharp bank that they can swim up and hit themselves right there in their gut. And they throw up these balls of basically stomach fluid and digestive cuttlefish fins and all this stuff. And they throw it up and it's a hard substance. Falls out onto the beach. And forever, forever mariners were going and picking this stuff up. And they still do to this day. Find it. It's very, very uh, precious. Because what it's called is ambergris. Anybody know what ambergris is? Ambergris is the key element that they use in making women's perfume. Now, is that not strange that something thrown up out of the gut of a sperm well... Ends up being used as a beautiful smell and a perfume. But y'all go look it up. I mean, y'all looking at me, some of y'all looking at your mouths open like, hey, Pastor going crazy. I'm just telling you, go study it out, look it up. I preach a whole message on it. You can probably go find the old message about it. But I'm telling you, it's amazing that God can take something that's foul and putrid, but yet He can throw it up on the shore. And make something beautiful out of it because God is a God who always wants us in our lives to be the sweet smell and fragrance of of Jesus in this world. And God's able to take your mess and he's able to make something sweet out of it if you would just let him. But you got to get out of the way. You've got to quit trying to be in control of it. You've got to be quit being the one that's got your finger on it and say, no, it's got to go this way or that way. You've got to be able to surrender to God and let him make something beautiful and sweet out of your life. Look at the person beside you and say, that's a good point. So I don't know, too much for you? You can do it. You can turn out being a sweet-smelling piece of ambergris. <clears throat> you just got to let God throw you up. Okay, I'm going to pray for you, but I got I to tell you that I just, I, I, I didn't lie, but I did have a sixth one. So, but I'm going to pray for you over this one. Okay, Father, I just declare right now when we've been our own worst enemies that we see it. We admit it today. We thank you, Lord God, that you take our lives and make something sweet out of it and where we have messed up so many times, we have blown it, we have just gotten all messed up and we've got, it's our fault, we know it. Lord, right now, I just thank you for making something sweet out of it, beautiful, something that becomes a sweet smell of Jesus and and going out into everything in the world. And Lord, I trust you to do that, Lord, in each of our lives right now in Jesus' mighty name. I got to give you the last one. It's going to be really simple and quick. It's out of the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verse 17, 17, 18 says, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first, I am the last, I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of death and hell, or Hades and death. Amen. The last thing I just want you to understand, that always comes against us. The Bible says that... Men literally fear death, and so therefore it changes the way they're going to walk in life. But I want to tell you here this morning the good news. The good news is, is that anybody who makes Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of their life is never going to die. You say, well, wait a minute. Why do we have funerals then? Well, you've got to do something with this earth suit you're walking around in. Just wouldn't be tactful to leave it laying around. But the real you ain't ever going to die. Because the Bible says you've been born again. And the Spirit of God lives on the inside of you. And to drop off this earth suit right here on earth, you're just going to go to heaven and be with him. And then we're all going to get joined back together at some point. But your destiny is heaven. To step out of this life into the next life is not death. That's what Christians get to hold on to. Because Jesus said, man, I guarantee you what, I got the keys. To death, hell, and the grave. I got the keys. Right? So if he's holding the keys to death, hell, and the grave, then I don't believe you have to walk in it because he's got the keys. Hello? And so you got to understand, don't be afraid of life. Hear what I'm saying? Some people say, well, we're getting older, we're going to retire, and then you got to go, I'm going to die. No, why don't we just enjoy life? Hear what I'm saying? Don't fear death, enjoy life. People are so bound up. And I'm telling you, you need to enjoy life because that's what you've got. I have already received life forevermore. If you don't like me now, man, brother, you better start loving me because I'm around forever. Get to heaven, I'm still going to be there. They said, Robert's still preaching about the word over there. All of these examples I gave you this morning are people that had a revelation and got the word of God within their life. And found victory. That's you. Look at the person beside you and say, he's talking to you. I'm telling you, that's you. Victory is yours. Amen? When you get the word of God down on the inside of you, do not let the devil steal it. Amen? Stand to your feet, please. Can I have my prayer team come down? I know I did a lot of praying this morning, but you just might want to do some more praying. If you're out there watching, listening, listen to me. The greatest thing you can do is make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. It's real simple. The Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth and you'll believe in your heart that, that he died on a cross for your sins, that he paid the price for you, and invite him into your life, repent of your sins, asking to forgive you, he will. Then he'll apply his blood to your life, set you free, and you will be born again. If you're in here today and you're not sure if you're right with God, that's why we have prayer team people up here. You can come up here and pray with them. Ask them to help you in life. Ask them to give you uh, to, to help them meet Jesus, and I'm telling you, they will. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to pray for you now. I prayed a lot this morning, but I'm going to keep praying. Amen? Father, I just declare right now as we go out into the world, Lord, A world that's been blessed today by even more rain. And we thank you for it. I ask you, Lord, to bless the people as we go out. Lord God, we are not going to lose the word. The devil is not going to steal the word from us. Lord, I just declare that we're going to go forth in victory. We're going to go forth in, 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 in defeat, even when it's ourselves, Lord, so that we can walk in victory with you. So, Lord, bless them. Put your hand upon them. Keep them safe. And, Lord, we praise you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you, church.